Let us to call the meeting to order. All right. Um, I'm presuming there are no. Uh, oh, do we need to take real? Trustee Banerjee? Here. Trustee Charland? Trustee Shequin? Here. We have a quorum. Okay. Any request yeah. for public comments now? Okay. So, first item on the agenda is approval of. Our June minutes. Do I have a motion? So moved. I will second and I guess in favor? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no abstentions. No, no. So moving on. Is our internal um, compliance reporting. So. Well, first, it's our audit report. That is, is true. Mm -hmm. Hello. Yeah, is it? Really? Mm -hmm. Sounds muffled. Okay. Uh, so what I did for tonight's meeting was instead of uh, going through long audit reports, I've done a summary report, but I put the audit reports in the written report section just mm -hmm. so you could see what the report looked like versus what I summarized. And I wanted to talk about the summary points uh, to see if we could start moving in that direction instead of having uh, audit packets this thick. Mm -hmm. Okay. I so, approve. So, <laughs> sure. uh, so the first audit report was the Stark Law Non-Monetary Compensation Review, and I actually have those on the overhead. Okay. Uh, so what I was looking at here was to see if we were providing extra benefits to our providers that were uh, other than compensation and if we were exceeding the annual limits. And what uh, I found as a result of this review was that, uh, you know, what we want to make sure that we're not enticing them to refer business to us. And uh, so I didn't find anything that indicated that, but I found some other issues with the reports that I looked at. Okay, so we don't have a contract with Oak Care to reimburse them for expenses, and they were paying all the expenses for our GME program, and then we were cutting a check to them, and so technically that could be an issue. Uh, so we've gone back to Oak Care and said, you can't do this anymore. We want them to uh, act as employees and go through the employee reimbursement process. Uh, you can do direct expense checks. You can ask uh, accounts payable to pay deposits. Uh, but it should be things that are reimbursed on an expense report and go through the system that way and we have better control over our expenses. Okay, so that is in process. Uh, I met with O'Care in August and initiated uh, those discussions. We're cleaning up uh, the act now, and, and uh, going forward, we should not be reimbursing O'Care. Do you, who, they will have to be trained to be doing this now using that uh, expense 
So because they do it for other things, they can extrapolate and do it. For they have somebody that does the uh, paperwork on expense reimbursements, mm -hmm. and so it was primarily making sure they were up to speed on what the internal processes were. Most of the physicians did, on occasion, submit an, a direct expense report. They just didn't do it frequently because uh, then they would be out of pocket until they got reimbursed. So were they getting double paid, some doing expense reports and some cutting check for, for the others? I'm sure there were duplicates. Yeah, there actually were a few of those because uh, when it was a, the expenses submitted directly by Oak Care, uh, there wasn't as uh, great a scrutiny over those. Uh, and so we found that there were some duplicate payments included, and so we've asked for that money back. Okay. It's about $26,000 over the period of a year. Okay. I think I remember a chart that demonstrated that. Right. Yeah. Oh, good. So I was missing the management responses in the uh, slide deck that was in the inner thing. So these are complete. Okay, so the other issue that we found was that we don't really have uh, a policy or process to track non-monetary comp. And so we're working on getting that uh, policy finalized and implemented and it should be done soon. And in the meantime, we will be scrutinizing those expenses a little bit more closely to make sure we don't have any uh, violations. Wouldn't the non-monetary compensation apply to like a UAPD and things? Do we have policies for those or no? That, that doesn't, um, for the other physician groups and things, it's only for Oak Care? No, it's not just for Oak Care. It would be for other physician groups. So we, we just have didn't existing. have this issue because other physicians were submitting expense okay, reports. Okay. And uh, we Oak had more. The expenses from OCare uh, weren't documented as well. They didn't have uh, the justification for uh, why this was a business need. Uh, and they didn't have the documentation of who was going out and who was being entertained. And so there was really nothing that we could uh, mm -hmm. hang our hat on on whether there was non-monetary comp or not. Yeah. And, and I think the, uh, the key thing is that we're the employee doctor, they were submitting for expense reimbursement through our prop, you know, our procedure. You know, one of the issues, and so, you know, essentially, arguably, an expense would not have been approved that was not an appropriate expense. Um, so there's not only the question of whether or not, you know, you're documenting it adequately, but there's a question of, okay, well, are these things that we would reimburse? Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's actually one of the issues that... Uh, <coughs> was sort of raised through this and that, you know, has to be worked through with OCARE is that what a private organization may reimburse employees for or reimburse workers for is not the same things that we would reimburse for. Mm -hmm. um, and so, um, you know, as Rick said, you know, we're, we've met, uh, <coughs> you know, internally, you know, to understand better the process, you know, because, you know, an AHS employee, you know, works, um, provides administrative support to the GME program. Um, uh, the doctors running the GME program are OCARE employees, and mm -hmm. so, you know, our concern is that we have alignment between, you know, what is being done and what is being directed that it corresponds to our policies and procedures, so. Yeah. 
Okay, so the other uh, audit that I completed was the fair market value for physician compensation. And of course, we have to make sure that uh, all of our physicians are compensated fairly and at fair market value. And uh, so we were doing this review to make sure that we had uh, adequate documentation to show that uh, we did do an assessment of the market and that we were compensating them fairly. And we did not find any issues. Uh, we, we found that we had contracts in place with uh, all the individually contracted doctors. They were uh, agreements that were signed before they started work. Uh, we had uh, evidence of fair market value. Uh, so the only issues that were identified in this particular review were that uh, we had a formalized ch checklist that was used by contracting. And uh, one of the things that we wanted them to put into that checklist was that they actually had a legal review of a fair market value analysis and that they uploaded it to their secure drive and that maintained that documentation because uh, there was a couple of instances where we had problems finding the documentation. Mm -hmm. And so this being it in their checklist uh, made sure that they got it in there. The other thing that we found was we had a draft uh, fair market value assessment for a group of doctors and we asked them to finalize it. Uh, and, and then we had a group that wasn't uh, included in that analysis that we thought should. Mm -hmm. And so we need to uh, take other uh, actions to make sure that they were at fair market value. And so we've asked them to document what those processes are if because this was a union group and it was uh, subject to negotiation instead of uh, normal contracting. Mm. So pretty uh, blasé audit, but gave me a good feeling when, when I saw that everything was, was good. Okay. Uh, Before you go to the HIPAA thing, can I just ask one question not about sure. the man, the, the oak care physician. So it, your total value is not much, but some of the practices that when you were doing even the expense reports and things when they did file, like 65% of them didn't have any receipts on them and you know some didn't have names and things. So how, and again, it might not be, a very long, large sum, but it's just practices for our largest physician group. How who, how are we reinforcing to them um, to care to be to be doing this on a on a consistent basis? So we, we met with the person that does the administration of the expense reports for care and. <coughs> Early on in the process, when we saw the lack of documentation on these receipts, we met and said, okay, you've got to do these things. And so she implemented changes immediately uh, before we even finished the audit. But then as we went, we wanted to make sure that we continued that dialogue uh, with her and with the oak care physicians. And so now we've met with them. And she's our kind of our central point of contact through the physician group uh, to make sure that they're still going to submit everything through her. She's going to review the documentation. She's going to push it back if it 
isn't uh, according to the standards. And we work with accounts payable to say, you know, you're following the guidance uh, just as if they're regular employees. And if you don't get the, the documentation you need, you send it back. Mm -hmm. And if they give you a hard time, you contact me. So. Yeah, I mean, those physicians have to hear it over and over again because I bet they are not keeping their receipts and they are losing. So that one lone person who is in charge of doing it, if it's the, those. So most of this stuff got funnels through one person in accounts payable. And so they have been instructed. And if we follow up, which we, we will shortly to see that we're following that guidance. If we don't see that, then we'll do some additional training in accounts payable to make sure that uh, we are following those guidelines. Because it we needed to be a little bit more stringent on everybody. Yeah. Because it just seemed like we were getting lax and following the process. Are these all manual processes, or some of this uh, yes. electronically? That's manual. Is there any consideration of using technology to, to assist with this? <laughs> uh, there's been discussion of getting uh, uh, another module for Lawson that would help uh, with a lot of, you know, uh, increasing the efficiencies and accounts payable. Uh, but it costs quite a bit of money, and with other things, it uh, hasn't gotten through the approval process yet. So there, there are things out there that would, would help, but uh, justification, uh, you know, how much it saves versus how much it costs is different. I guess I would encourage you to uh, make those sort of recommendations to management. Sounds like you are. They would love it if I did. The AP folks? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's very true. Wow, this thing is really high. I can hear myself from all the way Yeah, you know, we, we have, as, as Rick was saying, we, we have been looking at, um, we actually use Lawson through um, a vendor called Velocity now. And we, uh, you may recall last year we had some issues with uh, Velocity. And uh, with our interim CIO on board, um, um, He's been really helpful with getting the uh, Velocity team to really come and help um, all of our staff who use Lawson. So the, the uh, uh, HR people, particularly payroll, but also uh, the uh, uh, finance folks in AP and a couple of other areas, really to optimize the use of the tool that we currently have. We were in the, the process of actually switching from a whole new vendor and using this more robust uh, version of Lawson. Uh, I think it's called 360 or something universal, whatever it is. Um, and, um, you, and you may not be here at the time, we, we did an IT, um, a long-range IT assessment mm -hmm. for like, all of our IT uh, solutions, and right. the EHR took precedent, and we were advised that uh, with both the needs and the bandwidth of the IT team to support uh, sure. that, that uh, doing both of these at the same time would be uh, ill-advised. Uh, yeah. so, so we're doing everything we can to make the current uh, thing work as much as possible, including um, uh, Velocity is actually 
contribute gratis a lot of tools and training uh, resources mm -hmm. uh, for us to optimize that. I don't know how much of that. I know some of that exists in the AP space too because I went to some of the trainings they were offering with the staff, uh, but I don't know how much of that was uh, designed around looking at in this space like how much of you know um, uh, invoice processing and other sorts of things can be uh, uh, made more automated, but I'll, I'll follow up on it to see. Mm -hmm. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so as far as HIPAA walkthrough assessments, I wasn't going to run through the whole thing. Mm -hmm. You've got the reports yep. in there. They look quite a bit like the other ones. Mm -hmm. uh, so we've completed Highland Hospital Acute, Alameda Hospital, Alameda Subacute and SNFs. Uh, we've done the walkthrough of Fairmont and are working on the report right now and we're scheduling San Leandro and John George and that will be the entire system uh, for the first pass and so then we're continuing to work with management to get corrective action uh, implemented uh, I haven't been as rigorous on the follow-up on these because I've been trying to get some other audits completed uh, but one of the things that I have noticed were struggling on privacy screens and, you know, for some reason, ordering those privacy screens and getting them installed, they had to wait for new computer monitors. And it's like, well, you know, an option is you turn them so they're not public facing. Really? I was like, <laughs> okay. Human let's let's do another walkthrough, uh, you know, and and look at some of this stuff because they seem to think that I wanted a privacy screen on every computer, and it's like no, I want the ones that people can see uh, screen so that you cannot see uh, PHI. And so I'm going to continue to do walkthroughs with management, getting those kind of things worked, and if. If we have issues on privacy screens, we can move some of them to, to do the public-facing ones. Okay. okay, but that work will continue, and we will finish the first assessment uh, this year. And, oops, I have a pointer. Uh, we're seeing the same kind of things. You know, we're, we're looking at all of these items. Uh, the common themes are the PHI sitting on shared printers, uh, fax machines not pre-programmed, and uh, you know it's it's the same kind of stuff. Yeah. So even though I've I've put out some notices and told them I'm you know let's schedule a meeting I'm going to be looking at these things, I still find them when I do the walkthrough. So it's, it's going to take that follow-up, I think, to, to get people really ingrained in, in thinking about this. Yeah. Thank you for including the pictures, the photos. Those are so helpful. Well, I will continue uh, to put the report uh, drive to so that you guys can access them. Mm -hmm. But it just seems like some of that stuff is not allowed. Uh, fit for public consumption. Okay. 
So as far as my annual plan, uh, I'm considering it complete, that either final or draft reports have been issued for every project. Mm -hmm. uh, so we should have a number of reports at the next meeting uh, to be discussed, uh, which will conclude the 2018 annual plan. 2019 plan. Uh, I've started a number of projects, yeah. uh, so things are are oh that's, okay. So that second bullet should be the 2019 plan is on time. Right, that makes more sense. Okay, uh, so right now uh, on compliance issues, we have a record number of issues that are showing on the dashboard. Uh, I gave you a little diagram showing them escalating. Yep. Uh, not a good thing. So we're we're taking efforts uh, to get focused on those and get issues resolved. Uh, the other thing that has been somewhat disturbing, you had a presentation on 340B uh, at the last meeting. Or I think it was the last one, yeah. uh, when Diana came in and, and talked to everybody. Uh, so I'm, I'm part of the 340B steering committee, and we meet quarterly, and one of the things we do is monitor compliance with 340B. Uh, and so in October and November, we talked about the audit results, and I got a clean bill of health that it was 100% accurate, and one of the things I asked was, uh, and you did trace these all the way to the check, or the bill that went to uh, Medi-Cal. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, we traced them to the CDM, and it showed that it had a UD modifier. And I said, well, next audit, we need to go all the way to the bill. So the next audit, which was February uh, of, well, it was for the uh, quarter, September through December 2017, showed a 40% error rate. And I went, uh-oh, what happened? And so then we went back and audited uh, April and audited September or July, and we saw a pattern. It went from zero to 20 to 40, and then something even worse happened and and it went up to 94 percent and then a hundred percent and so meanwhile we're, we're scurrying around trying to figure this out and we found that there was a mapping issue we did some changes in Sorian and the while the modifier shows in Sorian it by the time it got to our billing system it dropped out of sight and so we worked with IT, we set up a special work group to, to address this issue, uh, and we fixed this system mapping issue sort of in June, and ever since then, every couple of weeks, I've been auditing to see that uh, things are improving. Uh, so the last audit that we had was 2.5%. I send all those uh, items over to our Revenue Integrity Group. They uh, have supposedly fixed those. So uh, there were still some mapping issues in there, but they were then isolated issues. But uh, it's something that's on our radar. We're going to keep looking at that because this should be uh, 
would be significant dollars based on significant financial impact. Significant financial and with the round the year steering committee group that's kind of so dedicated and focused towards this to see are we double dipping anywhere, are we using those kinds of things. So how um, with that kind of care to, so, to miss that. Well, and, and we thought we were doing a good job of monitoring it. It's just that we didn't take it that very last step. And then it was like, oh, okay. So now we've got a handle on it and we're, we're scrutinizing it and we're reprocessing 36,000 and some odd transactions. Oh, uh, we've had two manufacturers that have requested audits of their transactions. Uh, one of them turned out to be a non-issue. Uh, the other one, for the period of time audited, we would have owed them $77,000. But uh, Diana and I met with uh, a representative of the manufacturer and uh, they agreed that if we would reprocess the, the transactions immediately, that we would not have to pay anything. So that didn't cost us anything except some time to reprocess. We credit the transaction, we rebuild the transaction, we now have the modifier on it, and everybody's happy. So we can go retro and fix it, but so there are no penalties. There will be no penalties involved because the, the final transaction had the modifier identified. And uh, Medi-Cal would give the manufacturers a credit if they had taken a duplicate discount previously. Okay. okay, so that was all of my show and tell part. Uh, did you have any questions about other just, items? Just some of the things that, you know, we said that they were, um, again, privacy screens were a big thing, but some of the other things which um, had a due date for June 30th and says it's still in process. So I was just wondering, right. there are a bunch of those that are, are we going to have new dates? That are so, uh, so a lot of that is, is me uh, not doing a timely follow-up because I was involved in other things like the 340B stuff, but uh, in some cases I didn't like the responses and I'm working with management to get new ones with better dates. Okay. And part of that is going to be going out and, and actually talking to them and saying, okay, here's what you can do to resolve this. You're, you're taking me to uh, literally on the fix. You have to do something about this. If you have a better idea, mm -hmm. do that. Okay, so uh, I try not to be too prescriptive. I'm, I'm telling them to fix an issue, and they can use their imagination on how they do that. But uh, sometimes they might need that prescriptive. Yeah. So mm -hmm. we're we're working through these, and and hopefully we will have better due dates. We actually did make progress on some of the outstanding items. Uh, a number of the issues from the penetration review have been resolved. They upgraded some of the software, which trickled down to other parts, and we cleared about six of the 
uh, penetration review findings, which were all slated for December. Uh, so that was good news. Um, supposedly, the uh, anesthesia uh, base rate issue was resolved September 1, but I haven't gone back and had a chance to look at that. So, I mean, there's some things that are that are hopefully resolved. Mm -hmm. I just haven't had a chance to follow up to say, yeah, I'm happy with it. Mm -hmm. So we will be working on that in the next two months. And given, I mean, hard to, to bring this up because we, given the financial situation that we are in, but uh, often, Rick, when we speak, about you know how do you do, do your high risk how do you select what you need to be doing is you say it's based on your bandwidth is what you list as your high medium and I was like if bandwidth wasn't an issue and you really just looked at the risk uh, then you would you know what kind of staff would you need to be able to be more proactive and do that even, even I mean in some ways like one extra FTE or something might save a lot more money to the system if you know you're checking things and you're able to like um, cover the system the, the footprint a little bit more so just think about that I mean I know we, I mean, I keep thinking about the financial services. Is that something that I don't know? No, With what's happening there, would would Rick having well, been part of that? Is that is would that? There are definitely some things that Rick uh, has done on the uh, uh, the assessment of sort of. Uh, the revenue cycle uh, mm -hmm. stream where he has identified some opportunities and those have led to uh, uh, either you know, real-time recoveries that have helped the organization or process changes that have helped the organization. I see on the other uh, uh, part and then a comment about uh, uh, sort of the resource piece. Um, um, the reality is we have a couple of opportunities in those spaces mm -hmm. and so like even when Nancy was talking about uh, kind of some of the challenges uh, or some of the reasons that or contributes to the variance beyond yeah. just the sort of the calculation piece. Uh, uh, there's some opportunities within sort of the reimbursement side, the care management side, uh, uh, front end staff side to be able to capture things and, and appropriately document them to deal with when we need to uh, disposition patients on a more mm -hmm. timely basis. All those things, it, when I look back, I kind of like, where we're, where we're not fully collecting and but we're experiencing costs yeah. there's a question of like well could we be more creative around if we're going to lose resources in we could minimize those resources by making a smaller investment that actually either lead to uh, better uh, results or reduce costs mm -hmm. um, um, or reduce loss I should say so so I think that's a valid point and I certainly think it extends to uh, Rick's team as well uh, Rick has been in the process of, of, of doing um, his own strategic plan, which we were like, well, let's kind of work together. Long-term plan. It's a long-term plan. <laughs> we didn't call it a long-term plan, uh, but we are involving him. He shared it with the executive leadership team. Uh, uh, we are on pace to share it with you this month, but we haven't had a chance to do a little bit more back and forth okay. uh, because there are some things as you are hearing more about some of the challenges that we're facing that we're going to, that might impact some of the, he, he would the plan based off of the full strategic plan for the organization. Mm -hmm. Some of those things are being modified as we go forward. And so um, 
Uh, we'll be talking about that more in the retreat and uh, a little bit more at the September uh, uh, board meeting as well. And so we just uh, we hit a pause and said, let's do a little bit more internal work. But he was part of that effort was him looking at what are the things we're working on and what 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 is he think is the um, uh, sort of requisite resources that he would need to make sure that he's tracking along with us. So, so we are, we've heard you, and, and he's, he's definitely working on that. And obviously, we're trying to be mindful of our resources as well and trying to make sure we can keep those aligned. Mm -hmm. Good, thank you. I mean, until we get, we, the, the hope is that there'll be internal checks and balances within each unit or mm -hmm. department that you don't need to have an outsider come in and but that's how it works often, right. like you just do practice. things a certain fresh way, eyes. and until there's fresh eyes on it, you don't even catch it. So yeah. you, have a, you have your work cut out for you over all of that. I mean, just looking at even great places like Park Bridge and things, like so many opportunities for improvement in documentation, document storage and privacy and all of that. And, and this team is doing a lot of stuff to, to tool up managers to, and, and, and leaders in the organization to have that sort of a mindset. He, as you mentioned, uh, or you heard before, has one of the more highly rated uh, uh, components of Leadership Academy. Mm -hmm. I think I may have given him a middle of the range score. We had to revamp that day because uh, he was on vacation. I was on his day off to present to us, which is very generous of him. He did have his golf clothes on, I will tell you, <laughs> for disclosure. Uh, no, but, uh, so that's helping, I think, uh, um, uh, build that sort of muscle within the organization as well, so to democratize it a little bit more. Uh, and then there was one other thing I was going to say about the, the work you're doing in this respect. But anyway, your, your point is well taken that they're, they're you know, we need to do more of that, uh, including even the work that Nancy's mm -hmm. sort of doing with checks and balances within finance. But we'll, I don't think we'll ever see a, a time where we don't need to have, uh, whether it's through. Well, I was going to say, yeah, I, I went to Quickside yesterday, and as we're building Epic, um, uh, we're, in, we did a, we're in adoption one session, so we're looking at kind of early stages of what some of the bills are looking like. Um, and Rick and his team were front and center listening to those sessions and being proactive even uh, on that side to, to ask questions about how the future state will work and how we're thinking about certain things. And so, so I know that they are, they are, they're not clones. Uh, so I don't think he was in two places yesterday, and so it is, it's a small but mighty team. So, so yeah, we understand. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Yeah, so I, you know, I might say something. I, I, I was shocked by some of the non-compliance numbers I'm seeing in here. I have to say that out loud. The oak care um, reimbursable non-compliance was 60 percent. 65? Is it like a 35, 65 or something? Something, like something, something pretty bad. So, and, and then the HIPAA, which is basic, um, you know, it's privacy, and this is the, you know, anyone in healthcare ought to know this is the, the law. Uh, right. I, I appreciated your message to staff. And, and sometimes I see messages, and I go, oh, that, there's a bigger story behind that. Yep. Mm -hmm. The fact that the uh, CEO has to get involved in saying, hey, look, it, you can't go and look at uh, patient records when, you're, when you don't have a good reason to be doing that is pretty illuminating. Uh, to the, the challenge that we have uh, culturally. So it's good to hear that, and on the positive side, I think it's really good to hear that we're focusing on leadership. Because this, to me, this is really 
cultural deferred work, quite frankly, one. And the change is really going to come from an investment in our current leaders to change the culture out here. But this is, some of these things are uh, really quite concerning. Um, right. And when these issues came up uh, recently, we started looking at our policy on on sanctions for these uh, violations, and we started working closely with labor, and we have a new director of labor relations that uh, we're working very close together to, to kind of nail this thing down. Uh, we thought our policy was pretty loose on the sanctions, uh, since many of these are union employees that uh, have potentially violated our policy, then we have to negotiate with the unions on what their punishment is, and it's like, oh, no, it should be level one, you know, no, it should be level three, and it's back and forth, and, and because the policies were loose, uh, we had to, to go back and forth and negotiate. Uh, so besides the fact that we have done uh, some broadcast communications, uh, we've included examples of this in Leadership Academy. We've had the, the memo from uh, Del Vecchio go out. Uh, we've also worked with labor to revise that policy, and uh, we're in the process of having that vetted with the unions right now, and it's basically, if you accidentally look at it, that's a final reminder. If you are egregious in any way, shape, or form, toast. Your, your termination. So uh, it's very clear what the guidance is. We will be communicating that uh, once we get it worked so we, the organization. We were chatting about this a little bit before the meeting, and, and my recollection is that uh, that sort of activity is actually criminal. Is, am I, am I it wrong? Could, it, it could be determined that it was. So you're saying we have a sanction that is less than termination for something that could be considered a felony offense? It could be, uh, it could be considered a felony. Uh, it could result in uh, jail time up to 10 years for an individual. Uh, and it could be, you know, significant fines. Uh, but that, that has to be a real egregious case. They wouldn't. Oh, I understand. But, 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 but that's, 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 yes. that's so those are for intentional acts. So if so I'm assuming an intentional act. Yes, and I, I think the policy distinction that we've made is that um, you know there are mistakes that will happen. Someone types in the wrong medical record. Sure. Here. Uh, someone you know thinks they need to look at this record. It turns out they didn't need to look at it. And so we you know you know, try to draw a distinction between a mistake that was made in intentional conduct. The problem we had before is that even in the intentional arena, we had sort of a sliding scale of issues. And so, you know, if you purposely went into a record without authorization, but you didn't do anything bad with the information, then that might not have resulted. And you, you needed to you know, sort of stack, essentially, you know, misbehaving conduct on it to get to the ultimate sanction. Now I think the policy is much more straightforward. If you went into a record, um, you knew you were going into the record, and you didn't weren't authorized to do it, 
doesn't matter whether you did anything in there, doesn't matter what happened after that, that is that you know uh, results in the sanction. Right. So if the circumstances demonstrate that it was in fact um, not that situation, um, and that you know it was a mistake, you know then that will lead to a warning, you know, to the individual because mm -hmm. you know we don't want to have a situation where people are just routinely just you know going into records without you know uh, applying any sort of uh, you know. Uh, Degree of diligence about it, so that's what we've tried to clean up is to make clear that if, that if someone accesses a record without any justification, that that that, that is going to jeopardize their employment with the organization. So, mm -hmm. and, and and I think that you hit on you know a correct point, and it sort of goes back to you know trustee you know manager's you know, point about you know the resources. I, you know, I, I you know we've had many conversations about this and the you know trying to find the right balance between you know adequate resources to check versus relying upon those to those checks when we should you know be relying upon leaders to basically enforce the, the yeah. correct standard as far as it goes but on the one hand we have an education piece to make sure everyone understands what it is you know which is something Rick and his team, you know, is very good at helping with, but then there is the cultural piece which basically makes this issue everybody's issue and not just the folks who are tasked with sort of finding the problems and issues. Yeah, and, and the new code of conduct that now you worked with the union, so that had a bunch of like the compliance things through it, right? The, the thick code of conduct that we reviewed it had right. of records right. and all of that as well, right? So right, and, and so that's been uh, reviewed with all the uh, mm -hmm. unions and we're working on the rollout plan now to how do we, how do we get that communicated and get people to uh, understand that they have to abide by it. So as contracts happen, that's when each of these unions will um, will um, internalize that, the code of conduct? No. Oh, no as soon as we publicize it, um, they will be expected to, we just have to publicize it, communicate, make sure that they understand we're following this now. And that is, do you have a timeline for when that's going to roll out? Uh, it will be live by year end and hopefully a lot sooner. Okay. Uh, we might do it in conjunction with Compliance Week, which is like the second week of November, yeah. uh, so that we can combine activities and talk to people while we're wandering around uh, aimlessly, <laughs> but glad-handing. Good. That was a good <laughs> piece wandering around aimlessly. Okay, go on. <laughs> you got a picture there. <laughs> so did you have any other questions about the reports? No, reports are um, good. Lots. Uh, really helpful. Yeah, very helpful. Very, very helpful. So one thing that we do need to do uh, is finish the charter. So Rick and I spoke about this. As a committee, we approved the charter, Mike. Uh, the thing that uh, Trustee Lawrence had brought up was that uh, to make sure that the charter shows, has teeth or has implementation in terms of that, that there should be a compendium that when we bring it to the full board uh, to um, 
uh, we we approve the charter of the committee. It has to go to the full board for approval. That the board should have like some kind of a step of how uh, the performance appraisal happens. So Rick, I see your plan, like the way you had done it. And I spoke with um, Trustee Jensen, who uh, chairs the HR committee, just to see from the HR angle if there's any input that Tony uh, could give. I know that you, you've probably been. So I don't know how long that's going to take to, you know, just kind of put down a, um, a plan of how um, in the coming year the performance evaluation that would happen would have kind of, we're not talking 360, but maybe a few questions that could relate to the board could be able to assess um, you on. It's really the evaluation part of it. That's the only thing that element of the charter that needed some kind of guidance, right? I feel, can we, can we, um, do you think we could um, get something done in term, time for the next board meeting and bring it to the full plan? <laughs> so the, the we already have a plan. Well, I, I have a plan on to execute the annual review process and uh, I know that everyone hasn't been involved in that, but the intent of the CRG recommendation was that uh, you have some oversight over my annual review, which means, and, and our process is basically that I do a self-assessment, it goes to my leadership, right, right. they provide their <coughs> comments and scoring, and before it's finalized, it goes to the committee to say, okay, is this reasonable or not, based on what we've seen interacting with him. Uh, if they're recommending that I be terminated, then you have to go, hmm. Uh, if they say that I'm a superstar, then you go, hmm. So uh, it's, it's more or less to say that I'm being treated fairly and that I'm not being uh, overly criticized for reporting issues, which is my role. Yeah, no, I understand. And to kind of memorialize it so that there is, you know, not just that we see um, what we had envisioned. And I don't know, um, Trustee Shikwin, if you were part of the audit committee at that time. Or I don't believe But uh, just the, the regular thing that you use, but some, because Rick is spread all around the system, kind of where we would have some... Um, uh, just short but relevant to the board a few things that uh, we could you know at the audit committee or the board could assess in terms of and and again the process or with some stakeholders across the system like a few things and is that is that hard to do in terms of like two questions here, three questions here on a questionnaire that if I work with Tony and you and you do all and we do this to bring it to the full board by October or something so that that compendium is then this charter gets So I, and, and I guess I'm just a little I'm, I'm not uh, clear. I don't know you know, I can't say what can be built into the evaluation 
process. You know, because I understand that you know what uh, the, the success factor is basically um, once Rick completes his self-evaluation, then it comes out. You know, it comes to me, yeah. and a evaluation is prepared based upon you know the goals that are laid out. There. Right, right. Whether or not what you're talking about can be incorporated at that point um, as something to be addressed. You know, meaning that you know, in addition to these goals which are laid out or these you know behaviors, there's now this additional piece. I don't know because I just don't know the system. But it seems like if the idea is that there are specific things that the board would want to see addressed in the evaluation, mm -hmm. that's, it seems to me that from a process standpoint, it would be incorporated there because in filling out my piece of the evaluation, I would have to check those boxes or answer those questions or and then it would be reflected in the document, that which ultimately... What Rick is talking about is a different step, which is does this meet the smell test? Um, after the after your process is finished, there is, as, as I understood what you're saying, is uh, the board has a role in determining that there's independence, the ability to fulfill his role without undue pressure. Um, and, and that's a pro probably very high level um, evaluation. Um, but that is uh, probably what of the process the, as it was implemented. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the process. Because you know, again, yeah, I, the you know because the, that was there was a closed session meeting where there was discussion about how this was all going to be played out, and I, I wasn't there, so you know, and then so when you know Trustee Lawrence was referring to the piece of the process, you know, I to be honest, I wasn't quite sure what exactly that was, um, and then. Um, I wasn't aware that uh, the question had been raised with Tony about how this can be factored in. But, but again, if, if the idea is that the board has two, three, four issues mm -hmm. that they want to see reflect in the evaluation, it seems to me that that can be built, I think that could be built with success factors. And then, you know, that would be included if it, if, uh, but I also sort of, and I just want to be you know, clear on this, it sounded like you were probably not getting input from somewhere else. I don't know how. Yeah, it's tough to do that. In that's that's a little bit different, you know, because right now it's a pretty much automated process. I fill out the form, okay. I hit a button, it goes back. So the building. It's a linear mm -hmm. uh, process. So, so the way, uh, and Tony may have described this, so forgive me if you did, but uh, just to sort of uh, re recap what Mike is saying, is there success factors? One, it starts, you know, at the beginning of the year, so it's. It's a, it's a set of performance goals, and then it's a set of leadership behaviors. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, the individual starts the evaluation. So, so that set of all, the leadership behaviors are standard for everyone. Mm -hmm. So it's the same set of behaviors about around, I should know this, I've done six of them in the last two weeks. Um, uh, again, they were long, like leadership, uh, let's say, um, integrity. accountability, integrity, integrity mm -hmm. uh, those sorts of things. Yeah. All of them, um, yeah, yeah. Trust, trust. Uh, that sort of thing, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but the goals are the flexible part, and yeah. that's where we have a little bit more room to set those up. But you set them up at the beginning, you're certainly out, the person knows what they're being weighted on, and some of those are ones that we automatically cascade down, some of them are free form for the individual. Mm -hmm. So I think to, to that end, if they're 
one is that there's specific things that you as a board want to make sure that Rick is doing mm -hmm. uh, based off of the audit plan or based off of some goals that you'd like to see achieved, and I think success allows that. Getting to the end of the year when you're actually doing the performance, and HR pushes it out to everybody. It starts with the person being rated. Person being rated does his or her self eval. So how do I think I performed on this? Yeah. Some of them, if they are built on uh, cascaded down goals like EBITDA or mm -hmm. um, uh, um, uh, turnover rate or anything like that, uh, we put in the actual performance for the organization, mm -hmm. and then it automatically calculates the score. So that person is not giving themselves a score okay. uh, for those automated things. They may be giving themselves a score, whereas it's subjective, mm -hmm. and they have to report their own performance, mm -hmm. and then they can make comments. Okay. That then goes to whoever that person's direct report is currently for uh, Rick, it would be Mike. Uh, once this charter is approved per the charter, it would be me. Uh, and then that would, um, I would then take a self-evaluation, write my own comments in. Uh, again, those other scores are already in at that point. Mm -hmm. The leadership behavior, he gets to give himself a score and then some comments. I get to give the final score. Mm -hmm. And I could either agree with him, I could raise it, or I could lower it based off of my own assessment. And then I usually give comments. If it's something other than the average, because there are some other people just give themselves, you know, unmet expectations, there's not an obligation to give comments. If you give yourself anything other than that, then there's an obligation to say why you think you were over, uh, you know, above average. Mm -hmm. I think there is the same if you're a person underperformed. Recommends improvement or needs improvement. Okay. So, so, but that goes back to the, uh, after the um, manager finishes, it goes back to the employee to review. That's usually when you have the conversation mm -hmm. and then it gets finalized. So, so it doesn't, it, to my knowledge, doesn't allow for an opportunity for others to offer that kind of, sounds like what you're talking about is kind of more of a 360 element to it than a, than a. Uh, yeah, without it being a very, Comprehensive 360, right. which is something. Just some, some of the elements. <laughs> yeah, so I think uh, probably even if success vectors doesn't allow for it, uh, you probably have to just do an appendix to, or a, a, you know some sort of addendum to it, where if we in a 360, like a 360 fashion, we just uh, uh, pulled certain individuals if that's what you wanted. Um, um, and then you know, pull that feedback together, like do a survey market or something. I don't know if we can attach it to a success factor, but we could basically print out those documents and give them to the committee if that's something you want to do. But I would say to the extent that, um, uh, one, we want to set specific goals for him, and um, or you want to set specific goals for him, and uh, uh, have other people rate them that uh, this would not, I don't, I wouldn't recommend, and I don't think you're suggesting this, but I wouldn't recommend that you actually start it now for the no, 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 no. We're talking about now for the For the few, when the charter, and yeah. for the few. So with the, with the passing of the charter and going forward Correct. for the rest of this year. Yeah, right. so what I actually had in mind for this year was that we talk yeah. uh, after the closed session. If you want to provide input, you write up something and give it to Mike, who can then put it in before it gets finalized is here's audit committee comments uh, and it, then it becomes part of that review. Uh, is that not for the prior year? For, yeah, for yeah. last year. Okay. okay. Yeah, that I can do. Yeah, I was yeah. also thinking moving forward. But yeah, we can, yeah. We can discuss that because or we are planning. But, but, <laughs> but I think the processing for the charter is Again, what is what are the steps going to be? Because again, I'm still not clear precisely what those steps are. Because it seems like that's it seems, if I recall correctly, that's what the the ask was: is that the charter 
um, identify the particular process because it's the charter says you know, that, that this will occur, but I think the concern, correct me if I'm wrong, was that how, will, how that will. Yeah. So if it, it you know, if you if you can, you know. You know, I just need to know what those are. You know, because yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, and I, um, the, uh, I like we just need to, you, you know, finalize that. Then I can figure out a way to revise the charter or add to the charter so that so, that can then get moved on. Yeah, I, I would recommend that the chair meet with you to, to talk about that. I have a little less institutional memory on this. Yeah, and I think and you're putting some pieces together, and uh, yeah, uh, you know, Trustee Jensen and I just. So we haven't really spoken to Tony or anybody to give us even some thought about like wh what to do. But mm -hmm. I was thinking that we need to like kind of work on it on an expedited basis because we brought it up at the April um, retreat and it's kind of just been festering for mm -hmm. me. Like oh my gosh, this is this hanging chat that hasn't been done. But let's yeah. So it seems like the charter could be pushed forward as is with the language that you have some involvement in yeah. the review and the how can be ironed out at a, a later time. We just have to figure out how much involvement is is needed and, and what kind of steps we have to yeah, take. I'm, to get I'm there. fine with that. I'm fine with bringing it to the board and working out the I think Trustee Lawrence will show up on public comment. Enthusiastically approving it in the committee, and she was like, it struck her later. So then I guess then the task is to find a day when she'll be on a trip and schedule a special meeting for that day. Take it to lunch. To get the charter approved. you want me? No, that's great. <laughs> Distractor. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So should we, I think we, we did, I did not have anything on our calendar. Um, we I think should we uh, move to closed? It's all information or there's no action. But do we stay here or do we have to? We should we stay here. Oh, well, and maybe we just go to the next. Uh, Maybe the, 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 the conference room or something, sure. so that way they can uh, go ahead and put it here. So the uh, committee is moving in closed session. There are three items on the agenda. The first is a uh, report on a potential litigation matter. The second is discussion of several pending litigation matters identified in the agenda. And the third is a uh, performance evaluation uh, involving uh, the chief compliance officer. Okay. 